I'm Eitan Weinstein. And I'm Naor Menninger. And you're listening to Two Nice Jewish Boys. Settlers. They are mentioned endlessly in international media, often described as religious fanatics. They're also very present in the Israeli media, which tends to blame them for much of the political distress Israel faces. On the Israeli street, no one is indifferent to this issue. The settler is either notorious for their illegal theft of Palestinian land, or celebrated for being the front-line pioneers of the Zionist endeavor. The left and advocates of the two-state solution scorn them for basically looting the state coffers due to the disproportionate sums of money they receive from the government, while the right praises them for their vineyards, their factories, and even their employment of Palestinians. One camp shines the spotlight on the violent factions that throw Molotov cocktails and break through checkpoints to reach Joseph's burial site in Nablus or Shechem, as the other camp cheers for their bravery. The settler is perhaps the most controversial figure on the face of the planet today. Yishai Fleischer is the spokesperson for the Jewish community of Hebron. He's a radio show host and a writer. Fleischer is also the founder and director of Kuma, an organization meant to help educate for the cause of Zionism. And Yishai Fleischer has been living in the West Bank, or as he would call it, Judea and Samaria, for the last 15 years. We're thrilled to be joined by Yishai Fleischer to talk about the settlements. Before we get to the episode, guys, let me tell you about our friends over at the University of Hamburg. The University of Hamburg is holding the first international robotics camp for girls. Guys, you have to check this out. It's an amazing initiative. Uh, the founder of this camp opened it up because his two daughters were interested to uh, study robotics and engineering and math, and they had nowhere to go. So he basically decided to start this camp for girls interested in these fields. Uh, women are scarce in these fields, but that's for no good reason. Women obviously have a ton to give to these fields. So, you know, if you want to inspire your children to follow their dreams, you need, and, and they're interested in these fields, you need to check this out. Go to 2njb.com slash robot. Again, that's the number 2njb.com slash robot. And that'll take you to the site where you can see about the University of Hamburg's first international camp for robotics for girls. The University of Hamburg is going to have a booth at the New Tech Exhibition 2018 in Tel Aviv. May 29th to 30th. You can actually go there and talk to Alexis. Uh, Alexis is going to be there. He's from the camp. He's the guy who founded this. You can talk to him about the uh, opportunity to send your girls there. So if you know anybody, you know a teacher, you know anybody who might be interested in this, spread the word. Again, the first international robotics camp at the University of Hamburg, a camp for girls. Check it out, guys, 2njb.com slash robot. This podcast is made in collaboration with The Jewish Journal. Thank you so much for bringing me out to beautiful Tel Aviv. It's wonderful to see the view. I love to see, uh, I love to come out to Tel Aviv. And in general, like when I come to Tel Aviv, some people are like, oh, but you're like a settler person. You're not into Tel Aviv, which has a vibe of being more secular and all that. And I just think to myself, that is so small-minded. We are in a small and beautiful country. It has a few different kind of zones and, and, and energy sources. Tel Aviv is one of those. Yeah. And, and I love to be in this town. And besides, to many people between Jordan and the sea... Tel Aviv is also a settlement. Absolutely. That's absolutely <laughs> correct. And I was going to say that myself, but just, I, I love my country. I love it from Eilat to, to the Hermon, from Hervron to, to, 
to Tel Aviv. And like, if I was like one of these people who thought to myself, oh, I'm Jerusalem or Judea and Samaria, the West Bank and, and not Tel Aviv, I'd be, I'd be cutting myself off from Israel. Right. And I'm Israeli and, and this is the heart of Israel. And I love it. Here. Yeah, we, we spoke about that on the phone. Actually, the, I know some religious people who would call Tel Aviv the Gola. Who would call it the diaspora? That's, they a, that's think absolutely of it as, that's absolutely absurd. No. This is the first Hebrew city. It's a beautiful city. Uh, it's a lively city. I go all around the world. I was just in uh, Perth and Melbourne and Sydney. I just came back, and you know what? Tel Aviv rocks. Yeah. So to me, it's just, and I want to be part of it. Like I, I like excuses to come out here. Come to Florentine. We'll see if you yeah. feel the same. Hey, uh. you know what? It's my it's my people, <laughs> I'm, and I'm not coming from like a square place. You know, my people have different colorations, and I think it's I think when you bring a, a birthright kid a student, a young person to, to Israel, and they see that Judaism is many things, including Florentine, including including all the things that are the arts and all the different things that are Israel, then you know they can fall in love with it. They don't just think it's like stuffy uh, Yom Kippur services. Yeah, I'm just saying it's not political. Like Once you have to dodge the AC uh, vents that dripping on the street and you step in a pile of dog shit you know, in Florentine, then you might feel different about... Tel Aviv. <laughs> but we're diverse. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> your personal Let's get into trouble it. in the neighborhood, <laughs> refer it to the mayor, please, sir. I wanted to ask you, Ishai, because you sat down and you put your personal handgun on the table. Right. And, you know, for Texans, maybe it's a, a usual thing, but for us Israelis, it's still a, a thing. And, you know, one thing we can agree upon, I think, is that settlers have paid and are paying huge prices for their ideology when it comes to human to, to, to their lives because ever since the beginning of this movement uh, people have been uh, murdered butchered families we had just last week we had a, a car that was shot at and you to be a seller you live in constant danger and what do you say to people who tell you you know uh, People in Hebrew you say "damam berusham." I don't know how you translate it in your, English. Your blood is on your hands. Yeah, yeah. Like you go there. Well, if you die and if your family is butchered, don't come complaining to us. It's your problem. You put them at that risk. What do you say to these people? Our whole country is like that. If you come out to Tel Aviv to the beach, every 15-20 minutes a chopper is going to fly right by da, 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 with a, a gunship. Come protect, on, protect. Uh, go to the beach and check it out. A gunship protects our borders. Uh, here on the beach in Tel Aviv and other places. And, and only, you know, 70 years ago, this was a war zone as well. Yes, the settlers are the courageous folk who are holding on to the land of Israel against bad guys. Um, but you got to kind of remember the big picture. The big picture is that Israel is six and a half million Jews amongst a region that has 350 million Arabs. Now, m- not all Arabs are our enemies at all. But you have to admit that jihadism is a big part of the milieu of the Muslim Arab world around us. And Israel is, a, is, a, is in a tough neighborhood. So settlers are the type of folks that say, yes, I'm going to flex the muscle of courage because courage is still a value uh, in order to hold on to, the, to this land and to hold on to this place. But like to make it look like only the settlers are the ones that are the victims of violence you know, violence spills out all over. It spills out to the streets of but Jerusalem, on, Tel Aviv. The Fogel family that was butchered. Why is that? A, is that really a price, a sacrifice worth making? Well, you're talking about. You're talking about a first thing. First thing, nobody's out there making that sacrifice. Bad people came 
and they did a bad thing, right? So that's that's who's doing it. It's not like it's not like you get you have a sign on you that says "Please kill me." What it says is is that I'm holding on to what's right. I'm holding on to my justice. And then you know people that are, that are swayed by an evil ideology. Even um, living there, surrounded by enemy villages, is like holding the sign of 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 "Kill me." Again, that's that's the whole of Israel. Israel is a small little Jewish state within. A much broader region. Just, just for a second, just open your eyes to kind of a, a a broader outlook. Like you have Turkey to the north, you have Syria, you have Lebanon, Lebanon yeah. you have you have Jordan, which which is always teetering. Then behind that, Iraq, which is really Iran, and then Iran. You you you, you have a, a whole region here. You have Egypt with its own, always on the edge of being turned into the Muslim Brotherhood. You have Sudan. You have you have Sinai. You have the Sinai Province. You have Gaza. You have you're surrounded by a very tough place. Now here in beautiful Tel Aviv, you may somehow kind of be protected. Pr- protected by whom? Protected by people like ourselves, like the settlers. But but moreover, you can forget. That we're still a frontline state. Wait, I, I want to. We're not and protected I like, by the settlers. We're protected I, by the I, army. I, that's what you think. I think that the army is uh, is in places like Hebron because there's Jews there, uh, and if it wasn't there, then that place would become a seething swamp of jihadism. Exactly what happened in the Gaza Strip. The Gaza Strip. We were begging our country, our beloved country Israel, not to leave the Gaza Strip, and we said it would become a terrorist state. And yes, it, it's hard. It was currently hard when we had settlers in there living in these beautiful communities of, of Gush Katif. People died all the time. Yes, and many years. more and people and many more people the died in the three year in the three wars subsequent. Meaning to say, when you let the jihad take a control of a large swath of land, they take over and then they make it into a forward base of the jihad. And we've basically had now uh, since two thousand and five tunneling, rocketing. Now the fence war and the media war. And basically, we've 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 given over a chunk of place that was that we were holding on to to the folks that that want to destroy Israel. So so you're saying basically, um, I want to go back a second because you're saying basically the the settlers are the flag bearers. They go they they go to the front lines and beyond and plant the flag, and then the army has to come and kind of protect that place. And that place, in essence, becomes a next kind of to Israel. Correct. Um, but where the where the old school kibbutznikim? Everybody knew this. It's, it's sometimes I'm a little bit amazed when we forget. That that's how this country was was built. That's how the the whole land was built by yeah. courageous people who held on to the land against marauders or however you want to say who they are and held on to the land. We're still doing that. L- led by Ben Gurion, who wasn't less Zionist than you. No, and right? he was a great fan of Jewish Chevron and gave of his But money to Jewish Chevron and said Chevron is. He also realized is the... that his dream, he has to give up his one dream. To make the other come true, and that is a realization. Can do you think the settlers will be able to make such a realization one day? Look, I think I think that 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 whole discourse that you just laid out is uh, has proven itself to be a failure over and over again in Israel. You don't you don't make it here in the Middle East. My my good friend uh, Eugene Kantorovich says in fifty five land conflicts in the Middle East, only one party thinks that there'll be more peace. If you give up land, okay? We're the only folks that think that. Nobody else thinks that way. I had a, I had a friend who's a Kurdish, uh, part of the Kurdish resistance, you know, and he's fighting against Syria and against Turkey and against Iran. And I said to him, you know what your problem is? You should give up more of your land for peace. And we just laughed. We were like, <laughs> what a joke. Obviously, that's absurd. You well, can't it, give... worked, it worked with Egypt. I mean, we gave uh, them the Sinai okay. Peninsula. We have uh, maybe not peace, but we have uh, at least no we don't one have died. war. Yeah. 
Okay, so yeah, so okay, you 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 went to for the for the big question about Sinai, and a person like me basically believes that Sinai was the one of the biggest mistakes we ever made. We have the same peace with Egypt as we had with with we have the same peace with Syria as we've had with Egypt, but we never gave away any land. We just have a cold war that we hold on to our to our borders. With Sin with Egypt, it was a nice like round at first, but then it turned out that we actually didn't have real peace with them. And the Sinai became a filtration system, uh, 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 not a filter, uh, an infiltration system uh, mm -hmm. for for the rockets to to Hamas, for African migrants to these neighborhoods around and here, and the nest to ISIS. And, and that's not, right. And that's, so, I, I don't see the Sinai being a great victory. Yeah. I see that being a big fraud. Sinai was never Egyptian. It's a British invention. Okay. The, 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 I remember, just like in Gaza, I remember the Bedouins of Sinai begging us not to leave. Don't leave the Sinai. Don't put us under control of these people. Same thing in Gaza, and that I remember really well. Uh, the, the Arabs saying, please, don't leave us. You're going to put us under the thumb of the worst jihad. Okay, and then we'll have to be we'll have to be beholden to them. Please, like, continue to hold on to this place. You guys are normal. You guys are good. You guys are a light for this region. Who are the people who told you that? The Muasi, regular Arabs. You think regular Arabs want Hamas? Is that what you think? You think that they want to be subjugated under these guys? You well, think, obviously, you, you, the majority of the Gaza Strip wanted Hamas. I don't. I don't think that's true. At I least fifty percent. No, I think that you're forgetting that the way that these folks operate is with extreme unbridled violence okay they suppress people mm -hmm. they they are not nice folks i've seen i can give you many stories in hebron of arabs who started saying pro-israel things and were just taken uh like muhammad jaber who was taken for 40 a friend of mine who was taken for 40 days of torture in the palestinian authority prisons because he was friendly to israel and because yehuda glick knesset member and uh, rabbi yehuda glick took a picture with him and put it on on twitter he was taken in and, and basically beaten into submission these folks are bullies that's the way they work. And when you, sometimes people say to me, I heard a student said to me recently, he goes, Yishai, what? Are you trying to tell me that Israel doesn't oppress the Palestinians? I go, well, we a little bit do when we empower the Palestinian Authority. When we empower Hamas and the Palestinian Authority to take over their lives, yeah, we are abusing the Palestinians because that is an abuse. Uh, those folks are, they're just, they're just horrible, horrible bullies who don't so, care, uh, don't give a damn for human rights But at there all. are so let bullies. <laughs> let, yeah, let me, let me ask about the legal issue because we, we've, we've discussed, you know, what, uh, what would happen kind of if you, if you uh, left, what you think, uh, what you think your mandate is there. But why, what about the legal issue about the fact that in 48 there was a ceasefire, there was a line, and then there's this internationally recognized organization, the United Nations, which, you know, a lot of people might think is a joke, but everybody's kind of signed into um, that saying, you know, this isn't your land. The, there are people who were living there and who, it, you know, it was their land before we came and then we took it away from them. So from, what about from that the Jordan, whole... From Jordan, to be precise. Jordan, Jordan conquered the land and then we conquered it from Jordan. Right, so... But so... these people, we took... The, the point is, I, I'm not talking about Jordan or the Palestinians, but someone lived on this land and then you took it away from them, per se. First thing, we never took it away from any, from any sovereign. Many, many, let's, let's break it down. There's a lot of okay. questions here. I'll try to do it fast and tight. The bottom line is the following. The, the most majority of Arabs that are here in the land of Israel have come here since about the year 1850. They're, in a kind of tongue-in-cheek way, I call them Zionists. Why? Because they really came because of the job opportunities that, that Israel afforded them. If you want proof for that, read the book from Time Immemorial. It really lays out the whole migration pattern of Arabs. The majority of them came from outside of the land of Israel in the last 150 years. That's number one. Number two, in the 20s, 
uh, it was recognized that everything at least west of the Jordan River was was going to be Israel, and this was the real international law doctrine. This was at San Remo and the League of Nations. Uh, later on, uh, the the United Nations was part of this effort to undo those promises of the international community. And in 1948, we declared a state. Arab armies attacked us. And Jordan, we won our independence, but Jordan took away the ancestral homeland, the heartland of Israel. If you asked anybody coming out of the Holocaust, anybody from two generations back, what is Israel? Do you think that they would say Tel Aviv? They said Beit El. They said Hebron. These are the names of, of the places that our people have always spoken on, the, on their lips. This is the places. Everything, by the way, that's Jerusalem, that's considered like biblical Jerusalem or, or the Jerusalem that people would have remembered, is all East Jerusalem. Mount of Olives, the Western Wall, the Temple Mount, the City of David. It's all on the wrong side, right? How, so how could it be? What happened was, is 1948, Jordan attacked us with British help. They took over our ancestral homeland. They were an illegal aggressor. Nobody recognized their sovereignty. They controlled the land for 19 years. In 1967, we, we finished the independence war by kicking them back out, this illegal occupation, and taking back our ancestral homeland. Now, we didn't annex fully, and that was a big mistake. Why didn't we do it? Because there's a lot of Arabs, and we didn't know how to deal with them and give them democracy, give them the vote. We were concerned about that. But there's no question about the land. The question is about the people. You have a, a, a population that is antithetical to Israel. Okay, so you have a jihadist population or an Arab population, however you want to say it. They're, they're, they're the issue. But the land, that's our land. That's our ancestral homeland. There was no other Arab sovereign that was a serious sovereign there. There's nobody there. Jordan. Jordan, is, Jordan was not recognized by the international community. First thing, Jordan is a fake country. Fake, <laughs> it's a fake country created by the British yeah, to, to help their buddies. That's number one. Number two, they attacked us. And they took away our land. The world didn't recognize it. In 1967, we pushed them back after okay. they tried to attack us again. But they were sovereign. Okay, but they yeah. should, that is not a recognized sovereign. They were, they were a thief in simple terms. And we took our land back. This is our ancestral homeland. Jews that live, look, people like myself, settlers. The way we see it is that we see ourselves as the most, we're not like in, you know, white people in South Africa. We see ourselves as home. The most home there is, and people like us feel satisfied with that, with that amazing, uh, with that amazing sense of belonging. You are, in a sense, strangers in a strange land because if you look at a city like Hebron, it will never be a Jewish city, unless something crazy happens. If we're looking at it realistically, same goes for areas like you know the big places where Arabs dwell. So. So what, what's your hope then? What okay. keeps you going? That's a very fair question. And I agree with you. There is a large minority of people living in our land. And if we annex Judea and Samaria, we would be, just in terms of population, 65% majority Jews over Arabs. In all Israel. Yeah, not including Gaza, okay? In all of Israel. Mm -hmm. Now, I, I, I want to say to you, first thing is I believe Israel is a Jewish state, not by virtue of its democracy and not by virtue of majorities, but by virtue of the fact that it is by designation a Jewish state. It is a Jewish state. It doesn't matter to me how many people are here and who's voting for what. It doesn't matter to me. To me, this is, this is our land. We're the sovereigns. We're the, as we say in Hebrew, we're the, we're, we're the owners of this place. So if it was, just a quick question, if it was 10% Jewish, like Syria is, you know, tiny minority Alawite, you would still say we have a mandate to rule. Absolutely. And, and uh, I always tell my Arab friends, I say to him, Allah loves you. He's given you 22 countries. He's given you oil coming out of the ground. 350 million of you. Allah loves you. But, uh, but this land, he's given to us. Uh, it's Al-Quds, Jerusalem, and this land he's given to us. And I prove it to you. 
that it's Allah's will because look at all the wars that we fought. How do you think that we beat you? I tell my Arab friends. Is it because we're smarter than you? Is it because we're bigger than you? Is it because we're richer than you? Of course not. It's because Allah wills it. And what did they and say? And they say to them, and I say to them, it's also in your Quran. There's four verses in the Quran that say that the Jewish people are going to come back to the land of Israel. Allah wills it. Submit to the will of Allah and be a good Muslim. <laughs> they and say, inshallah, say? Allah will change his mind. No, <laughs> they, no. see, that's interesting that you say that. Just so you know, uh, that's a very Jewish concept. In Islam... Allah does not change his mind. And you cannot change Allah's mind. No. In their mind, you only you do is submit. To him yet. Okay, but but in, in our <laughs> in our religion and our general outlook and yeah. just being Jewish, we like argue with God. We give God a hard time. We're like that, and we believe that He can change His mind. You know, Maybe we, that's why He gives us what we want because we're so stubborn. Absolutely, we refuse to stop arguing. He's like, just take it. Absolutely, we're, we're the, we're, we're the uh, stiff-necked people. We're stubborn people. Uh, but what happens in that conversation? with, with uh, this proverbial Arab, because I've had this conversation a hundred times and I've boiled it down to one conversation, is that when I say that to them, they just scratch their beard and they go, Ishai, you are right. You are right. But, but, you have left the Sinai. You have left South Lebanon. You have left Aza and you've left parts of the West Bank. You are shrinking and Allah is with us. We are patient. We will beat you. Okay? Mm-hmm. That, that true conversation is reflective of the Middle East mindset. And if we don't understand that mindset, that we empower the jihad and jihadist mindset when we walk out of places, even we think it's so beautiful that we did it through a peace deal or something, in their mind, you walked out and you lost either by war or by uh, diplomacy, and it empowers them. When we are strong, and this is, of course, what our great rabbi, Zev Vladimir Jevatinsky, said a, a long time ago. He said, you have to make an emotional iron wall. They have to know that you're never going to move one inch from this place. Mm-hmm. Now, another thing is that you guys haven't mentioned, I get a lot of questions like the, the ones you're asking from a perspective like, Yishai, don't you know that X, Y, and Z? I kind of want to turn it back to you. Gentlemen, don't you realize that the Israeli body politic has shifted away from the left? The left is in the minority, is in the, is in the, uh, the, the coalition is a right-wing coalition and on America as well. Like not a little bit part of the world, not a small part of the world is moving to the right, okay? But and not by a large majority. Not by a large but. majority, but it's moving more and more that way because average Israelis know that land for peace is dead. And I want to thank one guy who, who doesn't get a lot of thanks. I like Mahmoud Abbas. I want to thank him a lot. Ah, this guy, that was going to this guy, Mahmoud Abbas, he's <laughs> great. Why is this guy great? Because he doesn't even make a pretense of peace. Uh-huh. He is just a Jew-hating jihadi, and he, he works for the PA. The Hamas is just a little bit more. And we are now done with the era of peace. And we're in the era of strength, which, of course, will lead to peace. Okay, I have a quick okay. question. Because you're fighting... Uh, it's not a quick question. I lied. <laughs> <laughs> you're fighting an up, uphill battle. You're, I mean, I don't think there's any doubts about that. If you uh, go on CNN or BBC or any, any major uh, international media... Or Israeli outlet, media. Yeah, or Israeli media. Perhaps not Fox News or Breitbart. But, you know, if you go most, most any place... This isn't the perspective that your words are not exactly describing the perspective that they espouse. And I wonder, do I mean, does it not seem that it's futile? Again, and again, I'm if, the one with 67 seats in the coalition. Can you just remember that when you ask your question? But come uh, on, uh, no, I liked I liked your question. That was a great Tel Aviv question. Like the media is against you. So doesn't that mean that you're fighting a losing battle? Are you joking me? The, you what, don't think it's a losing what, battle? What President Trump did, which I do want to thank him for, is he identified the media as an enemy. 
Okay, the the media is a party. It's an uh-huh. ideological party. Except for podcasts. Certain, uh, except for podcasts, and it's got it's got a, a perspective, and that perspective is not the perspective of the you, people of Israel. Okay, two things. I'm talking about international media. I'm not talking about necessarily, but also Israeli media. But first of all, you I you're saying that you don't think you're fighting an uphill battle. That's no, interesting. I'm fighting an uphill battle in the sense that I've got a lot to. It's not a simple battle. Got a lot to achieve, and there's a lot of forces against us. But we feel incredibly, I can't explain to you, in, inside, if you come to the quote-unquote settlements, the nascent Jewish communities of Judea and Samaria, you'll feel a tremendous sense of, of positivity and a sense of, of, uh, of justice and, and courage and success. Today they announced that 300 more apartments are going to be built in beautiful Beit El. And we have just gotten a right to build 31 apartments in Hebron, in eastern Jerusalem where I lived in. Is, is always building, and they're building a beautiful synagogue on the Mount of Olives, et cetera, et cetera. Like, like we, we see ourselves as part of destiny, and, and you're not going to stop us. You're, there's just nothing that's going to stop us because we, we have so much. We have, we have law, history, the Bible. We have all these things that are, that are sources of strength, and we're just going to be more tenacious than our enemies. So I want to ask something. Wait, uh, uh, get a little more specific. I'm sorry. I know. I'm, I, no, but, but he's saying about the units. How many units were built in the BB years, actually built in a year in settlements? Come on. The guy doesn't one, build. One out of 10 Israelis lives today in Judea and Samaria. Not my question. Okay. It's just growing. We have babies. We're growing. Yes, but uh, baby wait, wait, doesn't build look, look, the settlements. Can I, can I throw this question back to you for a second? Do you really think that we're going to give away... The ancestral homeland. Do you really think that we're going back to the Oslo years? Do you think that we're going to give the the high ground to the jihad? No, please. So no, so so, so, no, so get off of it. You know. I don't think that. Of course, I am. I mean, I don't think there will be peace. We just talked about that with with the last guest last week. But you also and, and are, are you not are you corners. not a Tel Avivian type? Like, can I not? Can I not? No just, comment. Can, no comment. Can I not stereotype you? I'm, I'm not. Can I just? I'm I'm, He's I'm, a I'm, I'm playing a lot of devil's advocate here, but I'm I'm doing it. To, I'm trying to, to make a point, which is the yeah. average Israeli is done with land for peace because land for peace is dumb. Okay. okay Giving away yes, your land to your but, enemies is, and but, this is what Goyim tell me all the time. And when I say Goyim, I don't mean in any derogatory way. I mean Goyim. I always tell my Gentile friends, I say Goyim. That's like the bad guys. Goyim. That's the nations. And when I'm on an airplane and I'm talking with some guy, they're always saying to me, they're like. Why do you why do you try to give your land away to your enemies? And it's just like I call that the goy test, where it's like a simple question from a guy looking from afar, and he's like, "Giving your land away to your enemies is wrong. It's dumb, and it doesn't work." So, but qu- what my question was, sorry, Eitan, yeah, my question right. was though that you're saying about the mandates that the the public is shifting to the right, and that's true, but the biggest party in Israel, the Likud and Bibi, it's a party that when you vote for them, you vote for the two-state solution. You don't vote for for um, uh, one, one, one you're state. Abso- you're absolutely right. It's in their, you're absolutely in right. their um, But we've agenda. managed... You're absolutely right in their... In their uh, what's the, the word? Not, not agenda. What's it called? The... Uh, uh, you know, the, the party platform, the, yeah, the, the platform. Look, we got the Republican platform changed. We took out two-state solution. We took out the, the ideas of occupation. We'll get it changed in the Likud as well. It's a long battle. Don't get me wrong. Or not. But I'm saying, when you're I'm saying, saying we, you know what I'm liked, saying? The, the, like the majority is still for two-state solution, or the very least, they are against one state. And, and Okay. And, you're, making, you're making a general correct point, and I'm not going to fake it. I am a political advocate. I'm working for my side. You're right. It's not an easy. You're right. It's not an easy battle. But we're in, we're in the battle to change minds and hearts. That's why I wrote that New York Times article. 
uh, to really give alternatives to the two-state solution. Right. But you don't say there what you think and which, what do you think? You, you, in the article, we'll, we'll put a link. You put many options, but it's a little bit frustrating that so many options, but what do you think about the options? Okay. So, so we've been told forever and ever that the two-state solution is the only solution. That is a mantra, a meme that has returned over and over again. Right. And to me, the moment where we're like, is there other solutions? That is the moment of health. That is the moment of a fresh breath of air. That's the moment where we're like, oh, there's, there is a, a, a alternative solutions. So I gave five of other people's thinking. I, I played reporter. I took a step back and gave options. And I want people to consider options. We're not at the moment where, where the right wing is saying, this is what we got to do. This is the moment where we say, there are other options. Let's step away from two-state. But which Let's one consider. do you support? Personally, I support the idea that Jordan is Palestine, uh, in part because I think that Jordan is a Palestinian state. It's got 80% Palestinians living there. In 1984, until 1984, everybody living in the West Bank, Judean, Samaria, was actually a Jordanian citizen. And then they woke up one day stateless. I think it makes a lot of sense to just reinstate, literally reinstate uh, the people of Judea and Samaria and give them Jordanian citizenship. That doesn't mean that we have to kick them out. That means that they would be residents of Israel, uh, but would vote uh, for, um, for, for air out their democratic rights in the Palestinian state that was created already a uh, long time ago in the 20s uh, in, in Amman. They would vote in Amman. I think that's a simple answer and it can be done right now. I think another answer is that Judea and Samaria, the West Bank, will be annexed by Israel. In any case, it'll be annexed at the Holy? end. Holy, absolutely. And the people there will become immediately residents with a pathway to citizenship for those people who prove loyalty. Okay? So basically, you'll just have... Just like any other democratic country. That's right. And just, and just like we have yeah. with Jerusalem Arabs and, and, Gol and Golan Arabs, meaning to say, look, this is a Jewish state. Uh, we will annex you. We'll give you a bill of rights. We'll give you a very decent life. The best life in the Middle East, and you'll have the, and you'll be a resident. What the, by the way, the Bible has a great word for it. It's called ger toshav, which is the meaning resident alien. That's an American term. Resident alien is a biblical term. We'll then they'll have the free freedom of movement everywhere. Absolutely. And, and family families will be butchered everywhere, like they are butchered now in the settlements. No, because they'll part of, be part of the educational what? What? system what? here as well. But who's butchered means... where? Like the Fogel family was butchered in the settlement. No, 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 no. We're going to... There will be no military, uh, the you key, know... The key thing, the key thing always in the Middle East is to crack down and crush the jihad. If you're not willing to do that, we can't talk about anything. The jihad suppresses Jews, Christians, and guess what? Mostly suppresses Muslims and Arabs. Okay, most of the Arabs in Hebron, they are suppressed and oppressed by the jihad. We have to crush the jihad. We can't do what we do now, which is wait on the sidelines and wait for the mosquito to come out of the swamp. We got to get in there and drain that swamp. We cannot we have... We did it a few times. And we have, by the way, in Jerusalem today, neighborhoods in Jerusalem that are jihadist. Okay, like Jabal Mukabra and other neighborhoods. We have, we have a big problem. Okay, and, and in, even in regular Israel, you know, up the road here, uh, there, are, there are Arab uh, towns... Uh, that are that are what they vote for really anti-Israel candidates and they're really jihadi in their thinking. We we have a problem. If we're not going to be willing to crush the jihad, we won't be able to move along. Let's let's talk about violence for a second because there is. I understand the the kind of idea that you're laying out here, but there is an issue in the settlements of. Uh, and I'm not trying to equate. I mean, I know the difference between an Israeli settler throwing whatever and a terrorist. Okay. 
Um, but I, I'm wonder. I mean, I don't think you condone it, but I wonder how you feel about the settlers that do, you know, uh, drive their drive their cars through checkpoints, you know, at full speed, vandalize. and vandalize and throw uh, stuff at, you know, soldiers sometimes even, but also at uh, at Palestinians. The more violent settlers. The answer is very simple. We condemn and have always condemned vigilante violence of any sort. Of, of Jewish violence against Arabs and certainly against the army. We're against it. We've never wavered from those these statements. They're very simple and, 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 and un, un, unequivocal. We are against any kind of violence like that. That being said, the Middle East is a tough place. And and sometimes when you're when you're pushed around and you don't feel like the army or the police is giving you the recourse, then people resort to violence. Again, we're against that 100%. But I understand where it comes from sometimes. Uh, it is it is a tense place, and you have on the other side you have true Jew hatred and jihadism uh, that really seeks to annihilate the Jewish people uh, in a real way. But I'm wondering about a process that might be undergo that we might be undergoing where this Jew hatred is spurring within us some kind of Arab hatred. Sure, are you, sure, are that you certainly worried happens. About that, yes, I, I do worry about that. And again, it actually comes comes down to the fact that we don't suppress the jihad. And so their whole society, I'll give you an example. Uh, there was a 17-year-old boy who uh, jumped the fence in Kirat Arba and ran into a house that was close to the fence. And there was a little girl there. Her name was Halel Yafa Ariel. And he stabbed her very viciously, very viciously. I don't want to describe it. Uh, and then uh, the, the, the rapid response team came in and they, they, they found her dead there. He was still in the house. They finally shot him as they were shooting him. A bullet also injured a, a guy named Shuki who lost one eye. Uh, it, it was a very tough moment. Now, when the press came and I, I was dealing with a lot of press, I said to them, this young 17-year-old boy, he is no doubt a monster. He's a terrorist. He's a jihadi. He's going to hell. But you'll be surprised to hear that he's also a victim. He's a victim of child abuse. And he's been taught from day one to hate Jewish people. And that's what happens under the Palestinian Authority. They really are training the next generation from birth to, to detest Jews in the most vile of, of, of ways. So let's annex them and give them freedom of movement no, everywhere. No, no, let's, no, I have a better idea. Let's, let's cut off, let's, let's let them have their own neighborhoods and we'll just, we'll just shrink back to tiny little borders, let them become jihadi, take over, and then fire rockets and missiles and tunnel and become jihadi all I'm over. I'm saying that's the... No, that's the other option that you're offering. You're, I'm, I'm saying, I never offered this I'm, option. I'm saying control, and annex, hold on, Give people decency of life. Be bad to the bad guys and be good to the good guys. Okay, but, I, a right wing position is the the people living under our sovereignty will be treated well. They must be treated well. They must be treated with equality on, on many levels, not on all levels necessarily, but on many levels. Uh, but but part of that it means crushing the bad guys. But crushing, I I just look. I'm trying to close my eyes and imagine the future that you're offering. Okay, and I'm sorry. I think that's the core issue here. Just going with the flow and let's imagine this state. Okay, where where you're offering. Okay, okay let's go. And and Ramallah is now an Israeli city. Okay, and let's say fifty percent swore an oath and fifty percent didn't. But they, I don't know, 50% have the, the citizenship. So let's say one of every 10 people in Ramallah are now in the resistance and they are jihadists. So we'll find them, put them in jail. One of 10 people in Ramallah. So this means you... But that's you, what you, you have right you, now. You, you have to deal with that same situation but right now. now. You, you quoted Jabutinsky 
and the iron wall. So you either you build an iron wall no, 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 or no, no. you annex. No, you, no, no. The iron wall, please, please don't get confused. The iron wall is on, on our borders, not on our shrunken little borders. It's on the edges and it's not a physical iron wall. It's a mental iron wall. <clears throat> They have to know that we're serious about holding on to our land. Look, Habibi, you got a problem. You're trying to imagine a, 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 a scenario and you're hoping that it comes out to some kind of utopia. It won't. It won't. And that's another problem of the left is that they gave us this false consciousness, although as though peace was around the corner. It's not. We're not at peace. We're at war. Okay? And always that, will be. That's fine. Exactly. I, I can accept that we always will be. Uh, you know, we have a biblical vision that in the end of times, messianic times and all that, that's, that's great stuff. To get to that, you can't, you, you can't uh, uh, rush it. You, you can't put the peace in front, of, in front of the war. So what's better about the, the future that you're offering? Because, because A, on, on the secular side of it, Judea and Samaria is the mountainous region that controls both the Jordan Valley and the coastal plain. Give it over to them. You're going to have what you have from Gaza, but, but dropping El Al planes from, from sh shoulder-mounted rocket missiles, you know, overlooking uh, uh, you know, uh, Tel Aviv. You can't have that. Okay, that's on the simple level. Second thing, and here's a, here's a deeper one, so bear with me. When we talk about giving away Judea and Samaria, we're actually undermining the historical premise of the Jewish people in the land of Israel. Because Zionism is premised on the return of the Jewish people to our ancestral homeland, if we undermine that, pull out the rug from under that by giving that away, we're actually empowering the whole world to believe that we're not from here, that we don't deserve to be here, and that we're foreigners, that we're occupiers. The occupation narrative. So we empower that occupation narrative. Thirdly, is that in the Middle East, when you're strong, people respect you. When you're weak and you and you and you uh, are constantly uh, what's it called in, in English, Retreat. retreating, and you're shrinking, you just empower the jihadist mindset. I say, be strong, squish down the the jihadism, hold on to your ancestral homeland, hold on to your story, and yes, you'll still be in a conflict. So Don't give us a give us a timeline. How long? That's a good question. I, I haven't dealt with with that so much, but. I think, I think that if you, if, first thing right now where I'm at in life is I'm trying to help our beloved country Israel turn the policy boat away from two-state and, and towards new ideas. That's not a simple thing. We've been in two-state policy since the 90s, at least, one could even say longer, and that's where we're at. And, and much of the world, as you guys have, have said, is, is there as well. And maybe even, maybe even President Trump is there. Okay, so I, I got I to... Gotta, who knows where he's right, at? Who, who knows where he's at? <laughs> It's exactly right. Who knows where he's at? But, but, but you know, some of his advisors, like Bolton, are totally against it. And then there's the, the Greenblatts who might be for it. And we've got to make sure that that doesn't happen. Um, and so we're turning a policy boat. Uh, I also want to say that there's another truth. It's not just Arabs and Jews in this, in this war. There's a lot of bureaucrats sitting in the Israeli government who, 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 and a lot of professors who have been talking to state forever and a lot of politicians and a lot of even army units that are dedicated to making sure that Palestine lives every day. Okay, People don't really understand that. We have Israeli army units that are dedicated to ensuring that Palestine lives and breathes every single day. So to undermine, under, undo those things, to dismantle the Palestinian Authority, dismantle those army units, uh, it's going to take a lot of work. So the timeline is... When the country starts to really shift away, and there is a shift, I could feel it. I'm, I'm uh, not so sure. It's going to take, I'll, no, I'll finish off. Yeah. I think it'll take about five to ten years from when the time we shifted to, to full control, to normalizing the, the economy, 
cracking down on the jihad mm-hmm. and 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 having Israel start to kind of flow normally. I'm just I'm not. But so that's a very sure. good question. I'm not so sure though that I I agree with you that the mentality i mean maybe outward you know uh the the government expresses kind of a a platform of two-state solution but i'm not so sure that the government actually has that agenda deep down inside i mean you look economically can i pause you right there yeah i agree with you and the reason i want to pause you is that i want to say something that our government does which i really don't like is that it's two-faced I hate that. I say you want to be, you want to go for two states, so go for two two state. Yeah. You 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 want to you want to not go for two states, so yeah. I think even Tamar Zandberg right. would agree with I, you on that. I I say all the time to my European friends. I say I agree with you. There's no such thing as yeah. as a two state solution and a settlement policy. We're fibbing. We're dancing. Yeah. We're we're stalling. And I believe in a magic word here, friends, which is clarity. Clarity. Let's tell the world. What we what we intend to do, and let's do it, even if it stinks a little bit. It's not to it, the world; it's to us, to the citizens who we vote for these parties, and to Arabs as well. We have to give them clarity, and we do a lot of disservice to a lot of people, including ourselves, without by not speaking clarity. So I believe in clarity very yeah. much, and I agree just with you. To, just to clarify for the listeners, I mean the economic policy today of the of the government is left to subsidize to subsidize. Uh, yeah, like it started as, but it, it continues today is to subsidize buying. Uh, buying houses in the in Judea and Samaria is to subsidize transportation. To I mean, I was I was uh, shocked when I actually found this out firsthand. I was living in past the Green Line, and I took a bus every day into Tel Aviv, and I was taking a bus from past the Green Line into Tel Aviv, and I was paying about six shekels. And then one day I missed the bus, so I had to cross the green line to the bus stop near Roshine, and I got on the bus, and I asked the bus driver, I give the bus driver a 10 shekel, he says, no, it's 14. And I was like, what? But we're closer. Mm-hmm. He says, that's how it is. Because there's a status quo. That's the most sacred thing now for everybody, I think. And even most Israeli, I think, are pretty convenient with the status quo in the end of the day. That's how I feel. I don't know. But no doubt that there, you know, people vote and then the politicians, the, the most uh, effective uh, proverb is the things you see from there being the prime minister is different. The perspective is different. And people, once they are elected, they do, they remain in their comfort zone, I guess. The settlers are a strong political uh, movement here in Israel. We've got schools, we've got parties, more than one. And we're a strong political force. And I think it's also because it makes sense to a lot of people. On different levels, on the level of strength, the level of defense, on the religious level. It makes, it makes sense to a lot of people on different levels. We also remember, again, that we're a tiny country amongst a, a much larger region, which is another part of the narrative warfare against us, as though we're a giant country suppressing the Palestinians. That's, of course, uh, a kind of farcical uh, contra-narrative. The truth of the matter is, is that we're the small country here. We're the country that's, that's constantly under the thumb of uh, the, the, the effort to oppress us. And so we're fighting for our liberation. We're fighting to hold on to, to what's, what's justice and what's ours. I think that the words peace are problematic words. I think that's a problematic word. I think we have to stop talking so much about peace and more about honor and about strength and about deterrence and about respect, that people have to respect us and we'll respect them. I think we have to stop saying that Israel is Jewish and democratic, Jewish and democratic, Jewish and democratic. I think we have to say we're a Jewish ethnic state. 
were a state created to protect the ethnicity of the Jewish people uh, uh, in this region, a minority in this region. And that's what really Israel is really about. It's not really here to give Arabs democracy. That's not what Israel was created to do. It was created to actually defend this, this minority. Uh, and, and I think that, that we have to stop talking about a moral army. We don't have a moral army. We have a, we have a, we have a badass army. That wants to that 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 is that willing, will crush you. That will crush you if you mess with us. You don't and if take you, pride in the morality, though, of our people. You know what? I, I I find that to be I like it even like sends an ickiness down my spine. I it's hate pretentious. this. It's so pretentious. Exactly. It's like thank you for helping me. It's like such an icky word. Like I'm the morality of my army. Stop it. My army is. My, of course, my army is moral, but I don't need to sell that to the world. I don't need to sell to the world that we don't rape people. That's not my thing. My thing is don't don't mess with us. Yeah, it's kind of like oh, good job. You don't rape. People. Yeah, it's 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 it's, it's kind of <laughs> gross and and it's and it's haughty. I don't I don't I'm not one of these people who needs to sound and look better than the Arabs. Yeah. I'm here to survive as a Middle East person, as a tribal person in this region, and I want my army to be badass. Don't mess with my army. You hit us once, we'll hit you ten times as hard. Those are, those are some of the little tweaks, the consciousness tweaks that I think that we need to to get into, and I don't think we can promise us uh, just just peace, but I think just uh, justice is another important word that we never use. Look, when you come, I'll finish off with at least this point, which is come to Judea and Samaria. You're coming really to the most ancient, the most beautiful places. You come to these places, Hebron. It is a city of conflict, but really it's a city of couples. Abraham and Sarah, Isaac and Rebecca, Jacob and Leah. I like to say Hebron is for lovers. You know, it's a city of couples. Zugiut. You know, it's a, it's a place of, of, of love. Jerusalem, the Mount of Olives, a mountain of history. Beit El, the, the, the place where the ladder, the dream of the ladder took place. These are beautiful places that, that we could really also sell. Also, we don't sell it even enough. So, uh, I, yeah, I guess you're right. I guess I have to just re- re- recant one answer, which is, I guess it is an upward, uh, up, <laughs> up, uphill battle. But I think that we are tenacious, like we said before, and we're going to win. Um, so you have uh, your own show, right? How do people listen to it? You know, I've branded it Yishai Fleischer. It's all Yishai Fleischer. You can find Catchy. me on iTunes, yeah, on iTunes, <laughs> on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, you know, and, and, uh, and I just do a show every week. Part of it is uh, the, the Torah portion of the week. In English. I, in English, right? It's for the world. And, and I just came back like f- from Australia and just people all over, Australia Jews and a few Gentiles uh, listen to, to the show. I think it's a great way to communicate. And that's why, and I, interestingly enough, I had heard about your podcast. Really? Yeah. Somebody said to me, like, check that out. And I checked it out. I'm like, cool, cool. Then you guys called me like two days later. That's awesome. And I'm like, great, great. So, and I believe in podcasting. I think it's great that, you, that you're sending out a message. Uh, I think the Jewish Journal is a great uh, publication as well. I, I have a lot of friends there, including Rosner, Shmuel Rosner, who I like a lot, yep. uh, who writes great stuff. Uh, and so I think we have to send a, a we, have to, we have to push back on the contra narrative that, uh, that is trying to er- erode the legitimacy of Israel. So you do lectures so people can contact you if they want to invite you. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I go all over the world. I speak uh, for Judean Samaria, for the, I also debate, you know, I debate mm-hmm. J Street a lot of times. Uh, I speak against the two-state solution for alternatives. And I also talk about uh, Hebron, which is this beautiful place of the, of the founders of our peoplehood. Cool. So we'll post links to, to everything. Check out Yishai Fleischer, guys. And uh, before we go, we have a collaboration, as you uh, mentioned, with the Jewish Journal, jewishjournal.com. Uh, like uh, Yishai said, they have great uh, columns, great uh, articles. Check them out. And, and we accept donations. So if you feel like helping us out, please go to 2njb.com slash donate and 
give us all your money <laughs> or some of it or no but but it. it is important to keep broadcasting and i do think that people have to support this uh and i hope that you get more and more listeners because you're really kind of sharing with people the beauty of israel we try. and the challenges as well thank you we try thank you so much <laughs> thank you Shay. thanks god Bye. bless you guys Bye. and shalom